How do goodness and truth take root and grow inside of us? What is the ultimate outcome of regeneration? We explore the nature of rebirth right now in the NCE Spotlight, your home for fresh insights from the ongoing translation of the New Century edition of Swedenborg's Theological Works. Knock, knock, knock. Is the doctor in? Hello. Hey, Jonathan. Hello, Dr. Jonathan Rose. Hey, how are you? Come on in. Welcome. Don't mind if we do. Thanks. Thanks. We're so happy to be here. And I can't wait to get to uh, cozy into your little office here and see what you've come across in your editing work of Secrets of Heaven. Well, I've been thinking about passages in Secrets of Heaven, Volume 4. And uh, if memory serves, we've talked several times now about spiritual change and development. And I found three more passages on that theme. Uh, it is something Swedenborg talks a lot about. And so I'm very happy to share these with you. Fun. Maybe a hallmark of Secrets of Volume 4, maybe, or something is getting a lot of that. Yeah, that's right. It does seem like a major theme in there. And I should explain that one of the stories that we've been talking about is Isaac and Rebecca getting together, who end up uh, right. marrying, and they're the parents of Jacob and Esau. And Swedenborg says that this is a picture of goodness and truth getting together in different parts of the Lord's psyche while he was here on earth, uh, which is such an intriguing concept. So he says in number 3200, 3200 even, these two verses depict the condition of goodness on the rational plane when it is waiting for the truth that is to unite with it as a bride with her husband. The next two depict the condition of truth when it comes close and perceives the goodness with which it is to unite. And I'll hit pause and say, and then I think after he wrote that, maybe he thought, well, but that sounds like there was just one wedding, you know, like this only happened once. Hmm. And so he says, it is important to know, however, that these stages did not arrive just once, but constantly throughout the Lord's life in the world up until he was glorified. The same is true in people who are regenerating because they're not reborn once, but constantly throughout their life and even in the other life. After all, we can never become perfect. So we're constantly being reborn. Well, how many, how many love stories do people watch in movies? It's not like, I've seen that already. <laughs> <laughs> I know it doesn't get old. I love it. That's so great. We maybe won't know where we are, in the big picture, but it's like, yes, we are being constantly reborn. And and I also love that hopefulness because it has that quality of, you know, second chances. Like, just keep keep going. This is going to keep happening. And that was like the wedding. And the next passage, as it turns out, is about children. Nice, nice. Uh, 3308. Goodness and truth resemble babies in that they are conceived, grow in the womb, are born, 
grow up, and increase in age until they reach full maturity. Conception, gestation, and birth belong to their rise. Growing up and aging till they reach full maturity belong to their progress. The stage of progress in which goodness and truth unite follows birth, and its start is what growing up symbolizes here. Growing up was mentioned in the biblical passage. This stage begins... So when does this begin? When, when does all this happen? This stage begins right after birth and continues all the way to the end of life. And in people devoted to goodness, it continues beyond bodily life to eternity. In other words, angels are always developing. Well, that's... Like a pretty complete correspondence there. I never yes, thought of <laughs> goodness and truth growing up and being conceived. And I guess it's, I have to th alter my imaginings of goodness and truth. Right. Because I think of, I think of goodness and truth as being very different than each other. How could they both be like a little baby and grow up? But I guess he says that like, that's like male and female are like, they're both people and they're very similar. Right. But there's like, you know, d depending on the context, one can represent goodness and the other can represent truth. So maybe goodness and truth are more alike than I picture them. Yeah. And I guess there's also this quality of like, you know, it's interesting to pair this with other things Swedenborg says about how we have to, you know, I don't know, open ourselves to goodness uh, and like, this quality that we're going to receive it. So it just, it just is changing my thoughts a little bit because it's like, it always feels like we're needing to strive for something, but this is suggesting that like we get it implanted in us. Like there is goodness implanted in us. Like that's that conception and truth, you know, like it's that, that maybe happens very quickly and very early on, but then that goodness and truth that's in us, then yeah, it's like, you know, the time it takes for something to grow to maturity is a long time. Um, and it can feel like, you know, you go through your, you know, teething and teens or whatever. I don't know. Like you don't, you don't feel like you're there yet, but so there's something comforting about the thought that like, no, that goodness is in you and it's just growing up, you know, it just takes some time. Um, and like that truth is in you and it just takes some time if you just keep, keep, uh, letting the process unfold. Yeah, it's a different kind of striving. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, I wanted to see. Do you guys get what I mean by that? Yeah. Well, it's striving like, oh, I'm going to go out into the wilderness and try to, you know, get a photo of the elusive white something something. Yeah. <laughs> That's a striving where I went out and I didn't get it. It wasn't there. I'm going to try to sail across this sea and I got shipwrecked and had to turn back. That's different than the striving of oh, you're, you're pregnant and it's harder to walk around now. And <laughs> there's a birth and there's a pain and pushing and everything. And then there's kids and you don't sleep. And you're try that's a different kind of striving though. It's not a striving to try to grab something that's way out there. It's this striving of getting through something that's just tied to you. Yes, it's, it's your brood and you're nurturing it, you know, or like a little little bird on its nest or something like that. Yeah. Like the, the, the tension is not around, 
are you going to get it or not? Attention is around, like, are we going to survive this? Yes, <laughs> right, gonna right. Get it. Keep, keep it there. alive. That's right. that's the job, right? Yeah. Keep them alive. It's, it's <laughs> not like, it's it's right where you are. Yeah. I have to say, it's, it's blowing my mind right now because, um, as you're saying, it's in the nature. You know when you see a baby that if... Yeah if nothing bad happens, that kid is going to get large. They're going to grow up. You know, that's the whole order of it. Mm-hmm. It's just going to happen. You can you can help it. Uh, yeah, you can right. inter- try to interfere in some way or something, but it's, it's basically just in its nature that that's what's going to happen. And I have to admit, after all this exposure, these ideas of goodness and truth, I don't picture babies, you know, <laughs> when I think of those things. And yet that's what he just said. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know that's his analogy and how they how they grow up and progress and also very striking that he says that if I'm understanding him correctly that this coming together of goodness and truth and this maturation begins right after birth you know like right away yeah. this this starts so it's in in, in a six week old it's it's already well underway you know it, yeah. it's happening as they dial their eyes in and be able to start to see things and they realize this is their hand or whatever it is you know all those phases right i love i think it's in a one of our episodes on um is it called like the story of your life or your life story something like that where um i remember curtis you making the point that um like if we saw things the way that they really are we would see how like all of life is actually like totally weighted in our favor towards, you know, goodness and everything turning out well. You know, like that it, it right. feels like we are, you know, unfairly at a loss for what we need to get through this life. But like this this idea is making me think of, you know, yeah, like you have those uh that that goodness is implanted in us, like Swedenborg says that um the remains that we have, you know, any any that we just like soak up all that goodness and truth like a sponge. Well, I guess it's more goodness at that time, but still, you're just like soaking it up like a sponge as soon as you're born and sensing anything in this world. And then, I mean, yeah, and then potentially even before birth and everything, but then you are, it's just gonna ripen. It's just gonna grow. That's just what happens. Um, and it, it's like, you know, as sure as springtime, like that is just happening. And so you, so it makes me think like what's required of us it is just that allowing it to happen you know letting it letting it happen not killing the plant or whatever right and it's giving me a new sense of what evil is because there's a hint at the end there where he says this goes from birth to the end of your life and that sounds like that's for everybody and then he says in people devoted to goodness it continues beyond bodily life to eternity so in a certain way evil might be defined as opting out of that process after death and that matches with heaven and hell in that section on the world of spirits he describes two stages that everybody goes through but there's a third stage of education or preparation for heaven that doesn't happen for the evil Uh, they're they're not interested you know they they don't want to learn and when you think over time like, just to put it into a rather ridiculous investment analogy, if you had a zero interest 
bond and another bond that had any interest, you know, compounding interest, however low, over eternity, the difference would be ridiculous how much bigger that second one would get. You know? Yes. It's kind of quite outsized what, you know, there's a lot of talk in Swedenborg's works about the balance between good and evil, but that... That's quite radically unbalanced in in goodness's favor. Right. Sort of a lot harder to get to hell than we think it is. The third quote that I found is uh, kind of speaks to how complete and thorough a change this is, which interests me a great deal because sometimes I feel discouraged. I I haven't changed enough or, you know, the progress is too slow and, and that kind of thing. This is 3296. A person's rebirth mirrors the Lord's glorification. In other words, regeneration offers an image of the process by which the Lord glorified his human side or made it divine. Just as the Lord changed his human condition into an entirely divine one, he completely changes our condition when he regenerates us since he makes our old self new. Mm. Wow, I really like that, because I've often wondered, what is that parallel for us? Because I know Swedenborg says it, but it's like, how many times does he actually define it? That, you know, well, Jesus became divine, but we regenerate. But like, well, what does that really end in? You know, what does that result in? But in what you just read, it's like, our condition is entirely changed. Yeah, that I like it. I I was hoping that I could get my condition entirely changed. (laughs) (laughs) Fuchs. And I like that it mirrors the Lord's glorification because I'm always looking to be reminded of the, what's the importance of the, why does the word or the Bible all in Swedenborg's description of the inner meaning center around the life of Jesus at the deepest level. Mm Mm-hmm because that life is a universal process. Yeah. It makes me think of this little passage as a hologram of everything in Secrets of Heaven and really everything Swedenborg says in all of his theological works, that (laughs) that's the whole story, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. The Lord glorified his human side, meaning he made it divine, and he regenerates us and completely changes our condition so that we become new. That's such a positive and hopeful and encouraging message that um, it's just really neat to see that as a little fragment of the whole that has the whole story inside it. Yeah, just like Curtis was saying, uh, nobody tires of like the love story of two people coming together. It's like uh, nobody tires of the old becoming new story, you know, the sort of redemption story and complete the complete change of somebody, you know, going through that process of transformation that uh, we hunger for it to see those represented because there's some part of us that knows that is what's happening for us. We just are in this life of sort of feeling our way out into how that's going to play out, you know, for each of us. So, Right. Yeah. 
And it makes me think of, um, you know, butterflies, man. Like they're just so sweet and little and uh, ubiquitous. And yet they encapsulate this truth better than anything. Like that, I just that it's so amazing that we have that example. Cause it's like, well, wait, how does something become entirely new? You know, change your condition entirely. It's like, well, yeah, you had this caterpillar that then goes through metamorphosis. So, and it comes out a butterfly. Like, what the heck? <laughs> it's crazy. You'd have to see it. <laughs> I know. You know, to believe that that grubby little wormy thing turned into that gorgeous <laughs> flying creature of a completely different nature. I mean, what yeah. on earth would make you think that that's going to turn into that? Yeah. It's a great example of completely changing our condition. <laughs> so amazing. Uh, well, you have completely changed my condition just in the matter of the <laughs> 20 minutes of this conversation. <laughs> oh, these have been very uplifting passages to contemplate. So thank you so much, Jonathan. That was a delight. I I may have overheated my uh, radiator a little bit. <laughs> I feel like my head is steaming, but, <laughs> but in a good way. Uh, well, thanks. And thanks, Curtis, for being here and participating in this conversation. I just love getting to come here week after week and hear your thoughts on things and, yeah, share in this time of reflection. So, yeah, it's it's quite a party. I'm, I can't wait for the next one. Sounds good. It's a blast. I hope your heart was uplifted and your mind inspired by this week's NCE Spotlight. Subscribe to the Inside Off the Left Eye podcast to tap into this stream of fresh insights and join us on our excursions into the historical context of Swedenborg's life and works. All passages quoted in this episode are sneak peeks from upcoming volumes of the New Century Edition translation of Secrets of Heaven. If you've benefited from the work of the Swedenborg Foundation through Off the Left Eye and the New Century Edition, consider supporting us with a donation. We are a nonprofit and depend on the support of our donors. To give, go to swedenborg.com slash donate. And thank you for listening. <laughs>